Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. You know, you can always tell the left is lying if their lips are moving. The left is engaged in what, the, in what would be called the long con. You know, they go off, they lie to you while claiming to be the purveyors of truth. They attack science while pretending like they're the ones promoting science. And they do this in order to try and convince you to go along with policies that are destructive to you. Policies and agendas that you would never support if the Democrats were honest about the intentions and the expected results. But rather than changing to an actual fact and science-based policy and agenda or a pro-United States agenda, they engage in, well, debate avoidance. They try to go off and basically declare that anything that disagrees with them is hateful and off-limits. And then they try to build up these institutions and try to create a false sense of credibility in order to back them in their avoidance of debate. You know, we know the problem of fake news. Fake news outlets like CNN, NBC, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, The New York Times, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And these are the purveyors of fake news, and yet they engage in what is called the circle jerk, where they go off and they promote each other, quote each other, and try to claim that they're the credible sources. I mean, it's like a bunch of con artists being references for con artists. And then anybody who doesn't go along with the lie, they attack as the liars, and they try to go off and, you know, discredit. I mean, I could bring up the example of Fox News here. And sure, Fox News is not 100% reliable and they have their own spin. You know, why can't we just have news organizations that are just filled with journalists that convey facts? But Fox News is the most honest of the cable news networks. So of course they must be attacked by the con artists of the left. But then there are the other institutions that the Democrats try to build up, like fact checkers. We know that they are fake. We know that the so-called fact checks are almost always wrong and filled with a bunch of opinions that are unsubstantiated by the facts, or they are just opinions, interpretations, and the left wants to believe that any little opinion that they have is a fact regardless of what the actual facts and evidence would say. But then they also build up to a reward system, you know, where they build up these little institutions and little organizations in order to give themselves awards. You know, it's interesting uh, when you take a look at the Times Magazine, they give out the Person of the Year Award every year. And I look at that list, and I realize that you know, they all have one thing in common. They have all received the same award that Time Magazine once gave to Adolf Hitler. And seeing the awards that Time Magazine uh, has given since they have given it to uh, Hitler back in the late 30s, early 40s, you know, you take a look at everybody else, especially in recent years, and you realize that their judgment on the person of the year is just as sound as it was when they once gave it to Hitler. 
But they keep going off and trying to build up all these little groups in order to give awards, and then they pretend like the awards are prestigious or have any credibility to it. For instance, you take a look at the social media networks. No one has been a bigger uh, offender of free speech. No one has gone off to engage in censorship and attack on free speech more so than the big three. Zuckerberg, Dorsey, and Wojcicki, or Wojcicki, or however you pronounce the lead uh, CEO of YouTube. And yet, when you take a look at it, the biggest offenders, the biggest suppressors of free speech, just given an award by a left-wing organization for free speech, for promoting free speech. You see, it doesn't matter what they do. They lie, and then they reference each other to try and promote each other as being the truth, the conveyors of honesty. They build up fake fact-checkers in order to reinforce the lie, and then they build up all of these little awards. I dropped my pen, but then they build up all these little awards in order to further reinforce the lie, and then you realize what's going on here. These little awards that, such as what they gave, um, you know, Wojcicki, you know, even though the award itself is a complete and total lie, a farce, you know, designed to make you think that she is a promoter of free speech when she is very much a suppressor of free speech. Then it makes sense uh, when it gets to the fake news, the people that they bring on. Because they bring in on people that they claim are experts, and they talk about all the awards that they have won in their field, confirming that they are an expert. And you realize those awards are just bogus. There is no credibility to those awards. They're not based off of actual achievements. And they're not based off of engaging in fact-based advancement of human knowledge human understanding, or human innovations, but rather, they're just given as a reward for being a left-wing lunatic, for sacrificing the credibility of your career and your profession in order to advance left-wing agendas. And then, just like the news engages in a circle jerk trying to build up each other's credibility, they also try to build up the perceived credibility and prestigiousness of these awards which, in all honesty, are meaningless. They're not actually about what they claim it is. You see, the left, they can't engage in debate because the facts and the evidence are against the left. So they have to find ways to get around debate, to suppress debate, and then try to build up you know, a credibility that doesn't exist. They are the biggest con artists the world has ever known. Okay, so enough of that. I mean, we all understand what the game is on the left. You know, we all understand that they're dishonest, they hate America, and they implement policies specifically designed to make you suffer because that makes you easy to manipulate and control, turning you on each other so that they can run off with all the money and rig everything in their favor. Okay, so. Enough about that, though. Let's go ahead and get in 
to what the fake news is trying to convince us of this time. You know, uh, what they have been going off on last week and the Sunday news programs. Because the fake news never stops, and it doesn't matter how many times they're debunked, they continue on. Okay, so they're continuing on with trying to analyze the results of the George Floyd, you know, and the conviction of an innocent officer, Derek Chauvin, that a conviction brought out by fear and intimidation and threat of violence by the left. So let's go ahead and see how the left is trying to engage in the whole con artistry of trying to convince everybody the country is racist, the police are racist, and systematic racism, and somehow the complete and total bastardization of the justice system is great for racial justice and progress. There's systemic racism that's a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans profound fear and trauma, the pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, Enough of the senseless killings. Again this weekend, intertwined demands for racial justice and police reform. An American movement sparked by an American moment. George Floyd dying face down on a Minneapolis street. There has been a systemic problem that has persisted for a long time that has covered up murders at the hands of police in the Twin Cities and across the nation. Communities of color everywhere say they're tired of the knee on their neck. And week after week, outraged by police killing more people of color. Like 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant in Columbus, Ohio. 13-year-old Adam Toledo in Chicago. We are not playing games. Charge the officer now. This city is a microcosm now of what is going on across the nation. Now, I'm not going to go off here and try and relitigate the whole George Floyd case because we know the truth, and the truth never changes. George Floyd died of a drug overdose, and nothing Officer Chauvin did caused or contributed to George Floyd's death. But the left doesn't care about the truth. The Democrats do not care about facts, forensics, or science. They don't care about any of that. They only care about narrative, a narrative that they believe that they can use to justify engaging in any level of violence and the threat of violence. And so far, they've been proven correct. They have been able to use it to justify any level of violence that they want to engage in. And they have even been able to now go off and threaten and intimidate juries, you know, threatening that they're going to burn down cities if the jury doesn't return a verdict that they want. The, and the jury understands that if they don't give the left the verdict that they want, there is a threat that the jury themselves will be doxxed and have mobs showing up 
at their doorstep trying to destroy their lives, destroy their career, endanger their families, maybe even burn down their houses while they're still in it. It wouldn't be the first time the left tried burning down a building with people still in it just because they believe they're justified based off their narrative. But let's actually go through and take a look and dissect here why so many on the left want to go along with this narrative. Because it's about avoidance of personal responsibility. You know, I understand that the parents want to believe that Officer Chauvin killed George Floyd because then it helps them to avoid re-examining how they raised George Floyd. You know, the questions of, did they not give enough attention? Did they not teach him how to live life right? How did he end up becoming a drug addict, you know, engaging in criminal activity? Was it that they themselves did not do a good job as parents? Or even afterwards, right? Let's say they did a good job as parents. But then when he became an adult, they did not stay active enough in his life. Did they know about his drug addiction? Did they know about how he was living his life? Did they pay enough attention to the friends that he was making that was a bad influence on him? You know, the parents can really go through and torture themselves, asking themselves what they could have done different in raising George Floyd and also staying involved and maybe trying to get him help, you know, in order to get over his drug addiction. But then again, if you can just blame the police and make yourself blameless. Now, I'm not trying to blame the parents here. Understand that. I'm just saying the things that parents can do, you know, um, questioning everything that they've did raising a child who ended up doing something uh, wrong and, you know, dying, going to prison. You know, parents can torture themselves trying to figure out where they went wrong. But you can avoid that self-torture by simply, hey, blaming the police. You know, the police, you know, killed George Floyd is the narrative, a narrative that has been proven false by all available evidence. Right? So they don't have to, you know, rely on the truth because they want to avoid any personal responsibility. Is it, uh, you know, the brother? You know, did he not notice what was happening to his brother? Did he not notice the drug addiction? Did he not do enough to try and get George Floyd help? You know, did he try and do enough to help him to improve his life? You know, so we know why the brother wants to blame the police officer, because then he doesn't have to start wondering if there was something more he could have done. And the community oh, yes, the community wants to go off and just simply scapegoat the police. Because then the community doesn't have to start questioning, you know, the decisions it's made, such as, hey, these areas in which all these police shootings happen have one thing in common. They're in areas under a near exclusive control of the Democrats. You know, so the community, you know, they know that instead of questioning, hey, you know, is it the people that we voted for who implemented policies that have destroyed the community, you know, that have uh, created communities with high poverty rates, high crime rates, high drug addiction rates? It, it, could it be because of the way they voted, the people that they voted for, the policies that they supported that have devastated the community? 
No, 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 it can't be that because that would mean examining and reflecting the decisions that they have made and some personal responsibility. So they, so this whole avoidance of the fact, this whole near allergic reaction to the truth is just as much about trying to avoid responsibility for their decision-making and actions as it is about trying to advance a political narrative that they think justifies any action that they take. And they go off, they do the hands-up, don't shoot from Michael Brown, a case in which the entire narrative, like 99.99% of all the left's narratives on police shootings, has been proven false. But what is racial justice? Is it equal treatment? Well, we already have racial justice then. No, no, no. The left goes off and tries to use words, but alter the meaning of the words. They do it all the time. They use a different dictionary than the rest of us. By racial justice, they mean racial dominance. They want to create a society in which you know, laws are not applied equally, that some people are declared above the law based off of skin color. Or they want to go off and say racial justice means that one group of people gets everything that they want and are able to take it away from another group of people. It doesn't matter about whether or not there are any victims or any perpetrators. They just want it. Racial justice, just like systematic racism, is a vague, undefined term that they use in order to justify any action and escape any accountability. For instance, we take a look at the whole term systematic racism. That in and of itself is designed to be uh, to avoid debate and uh, avoid accountability, but also avoid having to actually provide any evidence of racism in the system. Because it's so systematic that they can't point to any one thing. It's a combination of everything. It's an accumulation. You know, it's society's fault. It's society's problem of what the left is doing. See, the left, they always engage in horrific, horrible actions and then try to blame society. And this whole claim of systematic racism is just another, well, symptom of the disease that is the left. You know, because if you don't have to point to anything specific that you think is causing racism, then nobody can debunk your claim of racism because nobody knows what it is you're claiming is racist. What policy, what action, what tactics? They purposely don't define it so that they can claim that you can't debunk it because you can't debunk what you don't know their claim to be. So they go off with this whole systematic racism because it's a justification for anything that they want to do and it allows them to avoid debate or providing any evidence or proof of their claim. And racial justice, well, racial justice against systematic racism is just a code word for we just want to be violent and destroy everything, burn everything down. We can't provide you an actual 
you know, a reason why. So we're just going to claim systematic racism and doing it in the name of racial justice. It is sickening. It is, they are destroying the country. And what's, and I understand that the communities and the people are, have been brainwashed to the point where they actually believe the crap that they are spewing, even though they can't explain it, even though they can't define it, even though they can't actually tell you what the issues actually are. See, they are stuck in that cycle of fake news, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, that are all telling them that there's systematic racism everywhere and that they must be violent in order to get racial justice. And they're stuck in that bubble of fake news that is supported by the fake fact checkers and online censorship. So they're just regurgitating what they are told. And what they are told is specifically designed to inflict fear. You know, just like keeping people uneducated and ignorant is a tool uh, that makes people easily manipulable, so is fear. They want to keep them in fear. They want to keep them in a mentality of victimhood. Because, as far as the left is concerned, minorities are just a tool. They're pawns. They're cannon fodder. They're just there to serve the you know the political expediency, the you know will of the left, right? And it has nothing to do with what the truth is, what the facts are, what the forensic evidence actually says. And since George Floyd, they've been searching for the next case that they can use for, well, politics to advance their political narrative. And so you see here how they've been trying to go off and talk about all these other police shootings that have occurred since George Floyd. Shootings which by the body cam footage, were completely justified. People with weapons attacking police officers. I mean, we take a look at, uh, what was it? Um, The lady, I forget what her specific name was, but she had the knife. She was going to stab someone, and the police shot her in order to protect the other person. So they're trying to say it's racism, but they shot one person in order to save another person. And they want to go off and go, well, why didn't they use a taser? Well, a taser has short range. Taser is not exactly the most effective at stopping everything. Um, it has a high fail rate. You know, it you know it doesn't hit its target. It doesn't stick to the target. It um, also, you know, someone has a knife. They're up against somebody. You shoot them and electrocute them. That itself could cause the person to stab you know, the involuntary, you know, a movement, right? So they want to go off and go, well, why didn't they shoot him in the leg? Well, you know what? Legs, heads, arms, those things all have small target areas. Increases the likelihood of missing. Let's say they shoot at the legs and they miss and it ricochets off the ground and hits an innocent bystander. Then what? You know, are they aim for the shoulder, miss, and hit somebody else? Then what? They go for the biggest target with the smallest likelihood of missing 
so that they don't accidentally hit innocent bystanders. But you notice how they never ask, well, why did that person have a knife attacking the other person? You notice how they never go off and look at the individual actions of the person who got shot. Why were they violent? Why did they have a weapon? Why were they attacking people with a weapon? But no, 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 no. You know, they want to sanctify criminals and drug addicts and criminalize law enforcement or criminalize protecting the community from criminals and drug addicts. It is sickening. And we can see the body cam footage. We can tell anybody who's watched it that the entire narrative of the left is a complete and total lie. And yet they keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And anybody who speaks out for the truth gets censored or told they're racist or told they're engaging in hate speech and censored all across the Internet because the left can't have the truth get out. Because as more and more people recognize the truth, they take a look at the violence that the left is engaged in and realize that, hey, that's not justified. That's not protesting. What the heck are you doing? And it really highlights just how low the left has sunk, just how violent, just how much they've abandoned the constitutional republic and the civil society and have basically implemented mob rule, violence, and intimidation to get what you want. But they are unable to define what racial justice is. And as they go off and they do this, what they are doing themselves is creating racism. Not racism towards black people, but racism from the black community towards everybody else. They are inciting violence, encouraging violence. They are inciting racism and hate and division. And then they want to claim that they are creating unity. It's the old divide and conquer tactic. And the left has mastered the art of division. Okay, so moving on here, the left also wants to go off and, again, attack anybody who tries to actually tell you the truth and use facts and evidence to debunk the left's narrative. And the biggest purveyors of lie, the biggest con artists, the biggest source of fake news, those who have committed to fake news the most, CNN. And so here's CNN trying to convince you, don't believe what the body cam footage says. Don't believe the facts and the evidence. Only believe the narrative. And anybody who doesn't go along with the narrative must be attacked. Laura Ingram, her only expertise in big lies is that she tells so many of them. But let's be real. We understand what's going on in America. As the prosecutor said in the Derek Chauvin case, believe your eyes and listen to what the families of George Floyd and Dante Wright have been going through. We know they're not alone. We want to make sure that other families don't have to go through this. You know, I mean, come on. Why, why do we have to keep going through burying our babies? I sat up all night staring at the ceiling thinking, oh my gosh, this is really happening. Why do we have to keep going through this? 
It was a motion picture. The world seen his life being extinguished. And I could do nothing but watch. Especially in that courtroom over and over and over again as my brother was murdered. I'm going to put up a fight every day. Because I'm not just fighting for George anymore. I'm fighting for everybody around this world. But let's be real. How can you hear that and doubt what's going on? But it's not just Laura Ingram. How about Tucker Carlson, who in the wake of the Derek Chauvin verdict, showed us all what's under the hood. The jury in the Derek Chauvin trial came to a unanimous and unequivocal verdict this afternoon. Please don't hurt us. The jurors spoke for many in this country. Everyone understood perfectly well the consequences of an acquittal in this case. After nearly a year of burning and looting and murder by BLM, that was never in doubt. But let's be real. Tucker Carlson's anger wasn't about the actions of a police officer who murdered a man, but about the guilty verdict. Again, they go off with this false claim that George Floyd was murdered. I understand why the parents want to do that, because they don't want to wonder what more they could have done to, you know, in raising George Floyd and being uh, actively in his life trying to get him off drugs. Same thing with his brother. They want to make the claim out of grief because they don't want to examine whether or not there was more that they could have done or if there was anything that they could have done. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But the media wants to reinforce the lie that George Floyd was murdered as much as possible because it's all about a political narrative. They don't care about the truth. So they're going to indulge the delusion. They're going to reject the forensic evidence. They're going to reject the facts. They're going to reject everything and just go off and make the claim, make the claim, make the claim to try and reinforce, indulge in the delusion that they can then use to justify any action that they want to take. We see this all the time. And you know what, CNN, you have no room to be calling anybody liars. You are the biggest liars. You are pure propaganda. You've even been caught on video admitting that you purposely run false information, that you purposely run propaganda and misinformation in order to try and help the Democrats. Project Veritas caught you on video admitting to that. You know, uh, at this point, there is zero credibility. I mean, there's been zero credibility at CNN for a very long time. You know, but the left, you know, if we were to take a look at the democracy life cycle, you know, and this is very relevant to where we're at, we take a look at the democracy life cycle and we see that what the left is trying to push the decline of the United States. They've become self-absorbed. They believe their opinion is fact, regardless of what the facts and the evidence actually say. No one's allowed to disagree with them. Everyone's supposed to be forced to accept whatever narrative that the left wants to push. It is sickening. I, they have become so self-absorbed, they believe their little opinion is not only fact, but unescapable truth. It's not about the truth. It's about their truth. Right? Their truth, which must be accepted at all costs. I, it, it is just... It is just sickening how they go off and they do this. How they go off and they incite violence 
They create division. And they do so in order to avoid accountability, in order to avoid debate and justify any level of violence that they want to engage in. You know, every last everybody at CNN should be sued for libel. You know, and prosecuted for the purposeful and intentional incitement of violence. But they never will. Because they are a tool of the left. Like so much of the media. All right. And it gets worse and worse as it relates to the media. Okay. So uh, the media wants to go off and not only use this to justify violence, use the fake narratives, the false news uh, to justify violence. But then they want to claim that violence is protected by the First Amendment, that violence is peaceful, and therefore there is a constitutional right to go off and attack people and burn down buildings as long as you claim it in the name of protest. And so here's them trying to make that claim. As a staff attorney for the ACLU, how concerned are you about the effect that these new laws could have on law-abiding citizens enacting their First Amendment rights? You know, these are quite uh, terrifying times for protests because legislatures across the country are doing their best to try to prohibit people from protesting, despite the fact that what government should be doing is listening to people and trying to understand what their concerns are. Uh, Instead, they're trying to silence them. So, you know, you have the right to take to the streets, especially on public property. It's important to know whether you're on public or private property. If you're on private property, the property owner can ask you to move. Uh, But, you know, in the sidewalk, uh, in a park, uh, in those types of public spaces, that's what we call a traditional public forum which since the founding of this country and long before uh, has always been a place where people can come to express themselves, to voice their grievances, uh, and to try to change their world and their country around. Now, the ACLU, which may have at one time been a credible and legitimate organization, that time has long passed. They have been debunked. They have been exposed. They have no credibility on anything. And what we saw here in that clip, was another tactic used by the Democrats, the misdirect, where they describe an apple while talking about an orange here. And so here it is. He's trying to go off and claim that First Amendment rights are under attack by Republican-controlled states in the country. No, it's not. Not in any way, shape, or form. Because no one is attacking the right to assemble in public spaces peacefully in order to protest government actions and policies, to speak out against the government. Nobody, none of that is under attack. The legislation of that is being developed in numerous states is designed to go after the violence, what is not covered by the First Amendment, the violence, the looting, the arson. None of those are covered by the First Amendment. And so they want to go off and describe protesting the apple in order to try and justify and claim that the arson, looting, and violence, the orange, is a First Amendment right. It's not. You do not have the right to assault other people because of your perceived political narrative 
especially when that political narrative has no basis in fact. You don't have the right to loot businesses and claim it to be reparations or claim it to be protesting. You don't have the right to set buildings on fire. You never did. That was never, ever covered under the First Amendment because the First Amendment says to peacefully assemble, not violently assemble. And so the left, they go off, they do that misdirect. They lie. And, of course, they don't show you the footage of the violence because they, they're trying to cover up the violence. They're trying to suppress coverage of the violence and then try to claim that anybody who speaks out against the violence, oh, that's taboo. You ever notice how the left is always trying to say that disagreement with them is taboo? It's hate speech. It is off limits, not allowed, and should be censored. Because they can't debate. They can't actually talk about the facts and the issues here. The First Amendment also does not cover blocking public streets. Why? Because you do not have the right to block streets, which would possibly block the ambulance, medical service, from getting to someone who is injured or dying and blocking them from being able to get there and provide medical aid. You do not have the right to block public streets, which could prevent the police from being able to respond to a crime in progress. Blocking streets is not covered under the First Amendment. Peacefully assemble, holding signs, chanting, even if your chants are based off of a false narrative debunked by all the available facts and evidence, sure. But the moment you start blocking public streets and engaging in violence, looting, and arson. You are not engaged in the First Amendment right. And so legislation that goes off and targets the violence, the looting, and the arson is not an attack on the First Amendment. Now, it's kind of ironic to hear the left talk about attacks on the First Amendment when the left are the ones and only ones who are attacking the First Amendment through speech suppression and censorship, especially online censorship. But, you know, they try to go, that's not the government. Yeah, but it's still fraud to claim to be a platform while engaging in the actions of a publisher. So they try to, they're trying to basically say that violence and, and basically terrorism is a First Amendment right in the United States when it is not. You know, again, it's a situation where they talk about an apple in order to justify an orange. It is just sickening how they do this. And the left, they desire to be able to get away with the violence because they have abandoned the civil society. And they now believe violence is the means by which to achieve any political gains, to achieve you know, rewriting society into giving them everything that they want without having to do anything for it. And so far, their use of violence has gotten them whatever they want. And the more that violence works in getting what they want, the more levels of violence that they engage in to get more and more of what they want. You know, who would have thought that the more you reward bad behavior, the more bad behavior you get? The more they lie, 
the, and the more that they can use those lies to engage in censorship to avoid debate. The more they try to go off and give undefined, vague terms to claim that anything that's against what they want is somehow racism or to develop a narrative without having to provide any actual facts, evidence, or specifics to support the narrative. The more they do that and claim that speaking out against it is taboo and get away with censorship, the more and more censorship they engage in. It's very predictable what the left is doing. I mean, we go through and take a look at history and we wonder how did the German people allow Hitler to rise to power and engage in such atrocities? And then we go off and we think, well, we can't figure out how that could happen. But what we do know is it couldn't happen here. It, you know, it couldn't happen today. We're too smart for that. And yet we see the left, the left, which is using Hitler's playbook, the left, which pretty much still agrees with Hitler's agenda. They're not as overt with their anti-Semitism, and they've expanded the anti-Semitism nature to, you know, to cover other uh, groups of people. But they still agree with 100% of Hitler, and they don't understand that. They don't recognize that. But we go off and we wonder, how did Hitler uh, manage to rise to power? And we look at the left and go, oh, that's how. That's how. By going off and being willing to engage in violence against people who try to avoid violence. You know, the use of violence. The censorship. The trying to criminalize and suppress any disagreement. We see it happening here. It's very predictable. There are people on the right can see what the left is doing with complete clarity of where it's leading us. And yet the left, either that is their, you know, overt intentional goals, or they're too ignorant and too wrapped up in the narrative that they can't actually see the truth. You know, they wouldn't know the truth or what the Democrats are actually doing and leading this country to, even if the truth walked up and slapped them in the face. I, the left gets caught on hitting camera all the time, admitting what it is they're really trying to do, admitting what their true intentions and goals are. And yet, even caught on video, they, they are able to go off and say, oh, no, no, that's not true. Oh, no, no, no. That 15-minute unedited clip, oh, that's deceptive editing somehow. And, or they can just censor, block, and deplatform anybody who exposes it to prevent it from getting out. I... I guess what, what's going on here is that evil is prevailing because good people are not taking action. You know, the part of the democracy life cycle that shows that we are in decline, apathy, the, well, what are you going to do about it? You know, well, you know, I can't do anything myself. You know, and the left continues to engage in violence. The right continues to think that somehow capitulation 
are too many on the right think that capitulation will work and too much apathy of not standing up and taking action you know to fight back against the violence because the left like any other bullies the moment you start hitting back they will back down you're no longer the easy target but as long as you're the easy target they're going to continue to advance become more radical and more violent and they're going to continue to destroy the constitution the civil society and the republic because left wing is all about authoritarianism and dominance it's all about you know elitism we're having just a few specific people at the top of society dictating and controlling every aspect of everybody else's life no it's why every murderous authoritarian tyrant is always a far leftist the far left you go the more authoritarian, tyrannical, and violent you become. You don't see that on the right. Why? Because the right believes in small, limited governments with large individual rights. You know, the smaller the government, the less tyrannical and authoritarian you become. So the more you believe that government should be small, the more you believe in personal freedom. That's the right. The left is, the further left you go, the more authoritarian and violent you become. And we see that. Look, all the violence is coming from the left. All the you know, acts of domestic terrorism are left-wing groups and organizations. How much more evidence do you need that leftism is all about hate, division, and violence? All in the name of authoritarianism to centralize power into just a handful of so-called experts. All right, so I got one more clip here, and it's another instance in which the left is ignoring all the facts, all the evidence, in order to try and promote a narrative that doesn't actually exist. So here is the left trying to use Australia as an example to implement gun control. Well, now to America's other pandemic, and that would be the never-ending cycle of gun violence. There have been 157 mass shootings in the U.S. just this year just in 2021. And with congressional action on gun reform seemingly at a standstill, some Americans are asking if other countries can serve as an example. Next week marks 25 years since Australia's Port Arthur massacre, a mass shooting that killed 35 people. Afterwards, automatic and semi-automatic rifles were banned in Australia. They enacted a national registry and a 28-day waiting period for all gun purchases. And 653,000 firearms arms were taken out of circulation in a national buyback program. Gun deaths in the country plummeted, and today mass shootings there are nearly non-existent. Compare that to America, the gun capital of the world, where last year there were nearly 12 gun deaths per 100,000 people, more than 14 times that of Australia. But there are some differences, of course. Australia doesn't have a right to bear arms in their constitution. They also don't have a powerful gun lobby like the NRA. Still, could Australia's model have some lessons for the United States? Oh, man. Okay, okay. So let's actually go through here. First of all, they're trying to say there was three deaths or three murders per 100,000 people. They enacted gun reform, and that 
you know, dropped it down to one to one and a half deaths per 100,000 people. So first off, what they're trying to say is statistically, there was no significant change because there wasn't hardly any gun deaths to begin with or any mass shootings to begin with. So they don't have any real change. So it had very little effect, if any. Okay. Secondly, during that time in which it dropped from three per 100,000 down to one per 100,000, which they want to say is a plummeting uh, of gun deaths, gun ownership in Australia actually went up. Yes. So despite what they claim in the gun reform where they enacted the registry, the 28-day you know, waiting period, and so forth, uh, more people own guns in Australia today than they did before they enacted gun control. You know, so another way to put this is, is as gun ownership has gone up, gun violence has gone down. That's another way, but all in all, there has been no, you know, statistically significant change. You're talking about a change of two deaths per 100,000 as a result. And was that the result of their gun control? (laughs) Which is interesting to say they enacted gun control when gun ownership has significantly increased. And and then you take a look here around the United States and you try to take a look at where gun violence and mass shootings happen the most, where they are the biggest problem. They're in Democrat-controlled areas with strict gun control laws. So the more gun control laws there are, the more gun violence tends to go up. Why? Because violent perpetrators, criminals who don't obey the law and you're not going to be able to prevent them from getting guns unless you secure the border so that guns aren't flowing across the border as easily as drugs do. Right? So as long as criminals are in an area where they have a reasonable belief that in any situation, they're the only ones that are going to be armed, they tend to be more brazen and and bolden to engage in criminal activity, including gun violence and robberies. But as gun ownership goes up and criminals realize that more and more people that they would pick as potential targets uh, and victims are likely to be armed and able to fight back, well, the risk to the criminals go up and they start avoiding such risk. So. You know, this whole narrative about Australia, you know, is false. Yes, they implemented some gun control. And what was the net effect? Gun ownership goes up. They tried to say that gun violence was drastically reduced, which there really, statistically, no significant change. But trying to credit the change to gun control while at the same time gun ownership was going up, it, it seems like they're not interested in trying to, you know, actually analyze the truth. And then, you know, here in the States, as we've stated, in places where more gun control laws implemented in Democrat areas 
has resulted in more gun violence, we take a look at Republican areas of the country with less gun control and more gun ownership. And we see that those areas have less gun violence, less mass shootings, less gun crimes. So if we take a look at this and go, well, in the United States, areas with higher levels of gun ownership have lower levels of gun crime and higher and lower levels of gun ownership has higher levels of gun crimes here in the United States. And then we take a look at Australia and go, okay, yes, mass shootings has had, well, some decline, you know, and we see that as gun ownership has gone up, I don't think gun control solved anything here. All you have to do is just take a look around the United States, gun ownership versus gun violence in a particular area, and you notice the pattern and the trend. You take a look at Australia, yes, you know, gun control, waiting periods, national registry, but gun ownership has gone up as gun violence has decreased. So what is the moral of the story? The more people are armed, the less emboldened the criminals are, and the more the criminals eh, avoid some of the criminal activities because the risk is too high. You understand that, right? It's the same thing as what I was talking about with a bully. A bully goes after easy targets. Once that target fights back and is no longer easy, they tend to avoid that particular target. So, I mean, the the left's every narrative, every story they run is based off of lies, misinformation, and fake narratives. Okay, so there is one other clip uh, that I want to run and discuss. And this is, you know, the left still trying to find a way to justify, cover up, and hide all of the fraudulent activity that took place in the 2020 election. And joining me now is the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. Uh, Thanks so much, Secretary, for coming on. Uh, It sounds like uh, to a lot of Americans that that, that Donald Trump was trying to commit uh, voter fraud in that phone call with you. What can you tell us about the status of that investigation? Well, it's an ongoing investigation, and that's a Fulton County investigation, and we're fully cooperating with the district attorney, and I assume that they'll be taking testimony from several people, uh, not just our office, but uh, many people, uh, not just in Georgia, but in other areas. But it's their investigation, and we're not privy to uh, who they're going to be calling, but we'll be supporting their efforts and providing any information they need from our office. And I do want to talk about the Georgia election law, um, but just to button that up, uh, when they say that your office is not cooperating with the investigation, you're saying that that's false. That's not the case. That's false. We've retained uh, counsel for the Secretary of State's office in lieu of the Attorney General's office, and they can uh, coordinate and ask whatever questions they want and what they need. But we'll fully cooperate, obviously. And you said everything in the Georgia election was done by the books, uh, but now you're a supporter of this controversial new voting law uh, that aims to correct a problem you said didn't exist a few months ago. Aren't you just bowing to Trump, the same guy you warned was going to get somebody killed? 
I want to talk about some of the aspects of the of the law, but uh, let me just press you on this a little bit, Mr. Secretary. When Trump spreads a big lie about the election, an insurrection breaks out. Uh, you know, we had people killed here in Washington, and all of a sudden, laws are changed. Um, you know, can you help viewers understand, you know, how you are not just uh, essentially rewarding bad behavior? Why anybody would give Jim Acosta a show? I don't know. It just goes to show how far CNN has sunk. Now, first of all, he tries to go off and say, this new election law is controversial. Controversial. Why? According to whom? Oh, yes, according to the left. Why? Because it's aimed at stopping election fraud, something that we know has happened. You know, and then we take a look at the Secretary of State in Georgia. Getting a lawyer for the Secretary's office because it's being sued by the legislature, which is supposed to be controlled by the same political party, which just goes to show you that they're not interested in cooperation. They're trying to stall, block, and prevent the investigation. Why? Because Georgia did not run the election by the book in accordance with the laws of Georgia. The Secretary of State entered into a a consent decree with Stacey Abrams, a decree which the secretary had no authority to enter into, but which was in direct contradiction to the state laws of Georgia and thus also in violation of the Constitution. So he enters into an illegitimate consent decree without the authority to do so in order to run an illegal and unconstitutional election And then he wants to claim it's by the book. And then they want to go off and say, well, Donald Trump lied about the election and it sparked an insurrection. No, Donald Trump told the truth. The truth didn't seem to matter to the left, which was, you know, pushing and forwarding the fraud. You weren't listening to the truth. Now, the people that actually, you know, stormed the Capitol, they weren't interested in election fraud. They weren't there to actually protest the corruption that took place. You know, they were a bunch of leftists trying to disrupt the objections to the electoral votes, which were cast unconstitutionally. And after the so-called insurrection, all debate, you know, seemed to have, uh, you know, ended and you know even the republicans bowed down to the corruption most of them in the senate bowed down to push forward an illegitimate and unconstitutional uh installation of joe biden and so here it is the facts data truth doesn't matter to the left they keep pushing it they anybody who exposes them They're the bad guy. Anyone who exposes the truth is the bad guy, taboo, off limits. And they keep pushing this whole, you know, um, Capitol Police murdered by insurrectionists, even though the truth has come out and showed that, no, actually it was a heart attack. Now, it could have been panic-induced heart attack, you you know, a health condition, whatever, but he wasn't actually murdered. All right, so uh, in the left they just continue on and on and on. Truth, facts, data doesn't matter. 
All that matters is the narrative, the story. And any inconvenient facts must be suppressed and attacked. All right, that's it uh, for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please uh, hit the uh, follow button. Uh, I know it says subscribe, you know, but go ahead. Uh, hit that button and the notification bell uh, on a certain platform so that you never miss another episode. Uh, wherever uh, this show is still allowed to be shared on social media, please share it. You know, leave me ratings, reviews, comments. Thank you so much. And I will be back again soon.